You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. How many of you ever skydived before? Anybody in the room? There were several in the last service. You know what I said? God bless you. Thank you for doing it for me because it's not going to happen with me. Not me. Here's what I'd say about jumping out of a plane at any height. It would be extreme. It would be out of my comfort zone. It would be crazy. It would be unnerving. It would be death-defying. I would say that it's radical. That's what it would be like for me, radical. But I would always also say, thank you, Dominic. What a fun way to introduce our first series of the new year that, in case you haven't figured out, it's called Radical. For the next several weeks, we're going to be considering some spiritual realities of the Christian lifestyle that make the Christian lifestyle a radical lifestyle. We're going to consider things like um, uh, radical boldness. We'll talk about that a little bit today. Uh, radical pursuit of God, um, radical forgiveness, um, radical uh, worship. Those are just some of the things that we're going to consider, but we're going to learn what does it mean to live a radical lifestyle as a Christ follower. Now, as we begin the journey, I think it would be very notable to say that if you were to go online and do a search, if you were to Google a, a definition for radical, that's always a good place to start, you know, if I'm going to teach on something, do I actually know what it means, that you would be, as I was, overwhelmed with the amount of definitions that came up for radical. Uh, I found things like uh, the 14 best definitions for radical, the 35 best definitions for radical, this definition for radical, this definition for radical. And what I found is that radical can relate to medicine, it can relate to mathematics, it can relate to botany, it can relate to politics, it can relate to social behaviors. And here's what I want to say, that will not be the focus of any of our messages over the next few weeks. Not in any way whatsoever. Instead, we're going to focus on a lifestyle that is radical in thoughts and attitudes and words and behaviors and beliefs because it's rooted in biblical foundations, and it refuses to conform to the popular cultural and social norms of the day. That's going to be our focus. I think that throughout this series, we can safely rest on Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It gives clarity to the Christian lifestyle, the radical Christian lifestyle. I want to read it to you. I'm going to read it to you from the message version. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I want us over the next few weeks to think of the radical lifestyle this way. Radical, the radical Christian lifestyle always goes above and beyond what is expected. I'll say that again. It always goes above and beyond what is expected and it refuses to conform to the popular social and cultural norms of the day. It, it, it's, it's, it's Romans 12 too. Don't become so adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking about it. Um, I think uh, apart from Jesus, 
uh, or when you consider the life of Jesus, um, one of the best words that we could use to describe Jesus, apart from love, is radical. Think about it. Jesus taught um, spiritual truths that messed up the religious leaders of his day. And yet at the same time, those spiritual truths brought hope to a lost and dying world. For instance, when the culture said, get revenge, Jesus taught, love your enemies. And when the culture taught, fight back, Jesus taught, turn the other cheek. And when the culture taught, um, acquire, get as much wealth as you possibly can, Jesus taught, here's the deal, it boils down to this, you have to make a choice. It's either God or it's money, but it can't be both. And the choice is yours to make. Um, The culture said, take matters into your own hands to make life happen, regardless if it causes stress or anxiety. And Jesus taught, don't worry. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray. Pray about everything. Jesus taught that if you want to be first, be last. Jesus taught if you want to be great, then learn to be a servant. Jesus addressed hypocrisy. And he taught... Look at yourself instead of criticizing and judging other people. That's radical. Those were radical teachings. Jesus refused to conform to the beliefs and the attitudes and the teachings and the behaviors of his culture. He modeled what it means to go above and beyond. He modeled what it looks like not to conform. So let me ask you this morning, what is that? mean for us? Well, I think that it is very easy for us in our quiet times when we're praying to say, God, I want more of you. I want more, God. I want to be like you. I want to learn how how to to live in in your, your presence. I want to learn how to live as you live. We even sang it this morning. But I wonder... Is that easier to say than it is to actually live out? We can make that declaration. We can make that confession. But listen, if it's true, if it's really true, then we have to be willing to model our lives after the radical lifestyle that Jesus modeled. And we have to be willing to commit to the radical truths that Jesus taught. In other words, we have to determine, is my talk going to match my walk? Are the two going to come into alignment? Radical can be frightening. Radical can be uncomfortable. Radical can be demanding. Radical can be very, very unsafe. At least it can feel unsafe. But even so... Even though those things might be true about living out a radical faith walk, God has called us to live, when we model his life, he's called us to live a a radical, bold, dangerous kind of lifestyle. Just like he did. That's that's what he's called to. And, and so if we think, well, but yeah, that's that's frightening and that's demanding. And I don't know if I can do it. it. It doesn't feel safe. Listen, God will never leave us exposed. He, he never will. 
Because he is our covering. He is our shelter. Uh, We can rest in the shelter, the shadow, the covering of his safety as we go about this radical lifestyle. It is possible. Um, I think most of you are aware that last October, in fact, it happened on October 16th, there were 17 uh, missionaries of various ages uh, who uh, embarked on a trip to Haiti. And while they were there, they were kidnapped. Thankfully, they've been released. Um, I have to believe uh, that before these 17 missionaries, various ages, before they landed in Haiti, there were there were times that they they were they were coached and they were trained and they were made very aware. This is the unrest in Haiti. This is what's going on. And you need to know that by going, you risk your life. You're putting your life on the line. It, they didn't go into that blindly, yet all 17 made a radical choice. The very, the, the very thought that they chose to go meant they were living out a radical lifestyle. And sure enough, when they got there, they experienced something that we would hope would never happen to us. They were kidnapped and they were held. But again, God was there. God was protecting them. God's safety, God's covering, and they were released. And somehow, someway, I know that because of the experiences that they had, that the kingdom of God was expanded. That God was glorified in it. There are things that happened, I'm sure, in that time that they were kidnapped, where they had a greater revelation of God. And somehow, the truths of God were able to go forth, even though they were held Captive. And this is just one example of so many uh, radical uh, Christianity stories that I could give. But this morning, instead of talking more or giving more examples, I want to ask a question. I want to ask a question, and this is a question that I've been considering so much this past week as I was preparing for this. And I want you to listen. Could it be that the church, and I'm talking about the church at large, the, the body of Christ, Could it be that the church has lost its focus? Could it be that the church doesn't understand what it means to live a radical lifestyle? Could it it be that the church has just just turned? I I don't want to I don't want to hear that. I I don't want to hear I want to hear the good stuff, but I don't want to hear I don't want to hear the dangerous part. I I don't want to hear what it means to be bold. I I don't want to hear about radical. Could it could it be? Could it be that the church, could it be we, because we make up the church, right? I'm not picking on us, but I'm saying we are part of the body of Christ. Could it be that, that we as the church have lost our, our, our sense of true north? And that being the gospel, and that God was willing to give his son the ultimate sacrifice, and that Jesus was willing to give his life for the world, and yet we, and we are called to model that kind of life. Could it, could it be that we've lost focus? Of that, um, could it be that the church has become um, a fortress from the world instead of a impact and influence in the world? Um, I, I've just I've thought about this just quite a bit this week, and I, I, I thought about the past two years. You know. Technically, we've been involved uh, in some form of COVID and, and pandemic 
for two years now. Um, a little less than two years ago, um, I sat with a group of leaders on our Cornelius campus, and we said, this is, this is what's happening. This is what the, the reports are saying. You know, there's this, there's this thing called COVID-19, and uh, it looks like it might get out of hand for a little while. And so uh, we began to strategize as a church, and we said, uh, we're going to plan in the event that maybe we would need to shut down and not have church for three weeks. But just in case, we'll also make an eight-week plan. Because it could last a little bit longer. Just, just a little bit. And then the next thing you know, we shut down for three months. Where we didn't, we didn't come and gather together for three months for the sake of safety. And all the unknowns about what was involved with it. And again, I, you've heard me say this before. I know there are a variety of thoughts and opinions and theories. That's not my point. I'm just saying this is the reality of what happened. And so here we are now, almost two years later, and we're still dealing with some afterfact of it. You, you want to know one of the reasons I know that we're dealing with the afterfact of it is look around. What you see here today, it's representative across the nation in the church, how um, church attendance has declined, and for many reasons, some of them very necessary for people just being safe. Uh, but I, I guess what I, the point I want to make, trust me, none of this is in my notes, but the point I want to make is that uh, I think on one side, the pandemic brought out some great things in the church. Uh, you know, uh, immediately we, 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 we seized technology. And so though we shut down as that we didn't come together immediately, we didn't miss a Sunday. You, you, you could watch online. You could hear the message online. In fact, some people were telling me, I watched Grace Covenant and five other preachers on Sunday morning. I mean, you know, it, 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 it was great. So we, we, we didn't miss a beat. In fact, did you know that because we were able to make that, this was a very positive thing, last Sunday... So I think it's the day after a holiday, January 1st. Uh, there were 825 people who gathered online to watch, to be part of church at Grace Covenant, apart from those who attended. So that was a very positive thing, that we didn't have to, the, 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 the message didn't have to shut down. And some of the positive things that have happened during the pandemic is what we realized is that the church at large, Grace Covenant too, had been doing things that we've said, said well, why are, why are we doing those? Because we're not doing them now. We're not missing them. Did they really have any meaning? And so we began to evaluate and say, we were doing this and we were doing this. And you know what? We were doing that just because we always did it. Even though it wasn't fruitful, even though it wasn't effective anymore, we just did it because it's what we're in the habit of doing. It's what we feel safe doing. Or we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings and tell them we're not going to do your thing anymore. I mean, that's the bottom line. And so there was these positive adjustments that happened during the pandemic. But on the flip side, one of the things that the pandemic has brought out in the church is that the church is guilty uh, of consumerism. It's brought out the consumer attitude of so much of the church that it, 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 it's caused us to... Well, I'll just say for us, we've recognized that um, so often we've come to church because we want to be, uh, it's not that we just want to worship, but we want to be entertained in worship. We, want, we, we like the, 
we like the bells and the whistles that go with it. Or um, we, here's the bottom line. What we've realized far too is, is that there's a consumerism spirit in the church where we want to come. And in, rather than just glorifying God and offering ourselves to him, that we want, we want to feel good. We, we, just, we come because we want to feel good. And so if it doesn't feel good anymore, we don't come anymore. This is the bottom line. I'm going to take a look around. We, we just don't come anymore because, because it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it used to. And so I, I guess the point I'm making is, is, this, is this one picture of the answer to the question, has the church at large, I'm not picking on you and I'm not picking on Grace Covenant, uh, but I, I live in this world, so, so I'm very in tune of what's going on. Uh, could it be that we've lost our sense of true north? Could, could, could we, ha, have we, have we let the church become a fortress that protects us rather than uh, the church becoming an impact and influence in the world? And so we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. We have to choose, are we going to live as timid Christians or are we going to believe that God hasn't, this is scripture, God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity. But instead, he's given us, the church, a spirit of power to live boldly in the world despite what's going on around us. And that he's given us a spirit of power to proclaim the message in every way possible. And we recognize it's not just about having our needs met. That's a little sideline. So you know some things I was thinking about in the world <laughs> this week. Um, beyond Jesus, if we want to know what radical looks like, um, then I want to challenge you. And this is a true challenge. I would challenge you this week to read through the book of Acts. Because as you read through the book of Acts, you find that it's filled with stories of the earliest believers and the radical lifestyle that they lived. The radical things, the radical experiences that they uh, moved into as they trusted this power that had been given to them by God. And so this morning, we want to look at one of those stories. So if you'll open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 5 or turn there on your phones or however you might get there. And um, uh, in just a moment, I'm going to read to you verses 27 through 35, part of that. And I'm going to read verses 40 through 42. But before we get there, I'd like to just give you a little context. You probably learned by now. I like what, what, what's going on before, what's going on after. Um, just to give you some context, if you look in chapter five at verses twelve through sixteen, uh, just a summary of what you find is that the um, the apostles have been performing many signs and wonders through the power of Jesus. Um, as a result, there is great respect among the people. And as a result, uh, there were uh, an increase in their numbers. Uh, and as a result, the crowds continued to gather. They continued to get greater. Then when you look in verse 17, you see that the high priest and his associates and, and the Sadducees, it says they were jealous because of what was going on. So they decided that they would have the apostles arrested. So they sent for them. They brought them in. Uh, they had them arrested. Uh, but God, 
God arranged for a jailbreak during the night. He sent an angel. The angel opened up the jail cell doors and began to lead them out. But as they were on their way out, he gave them some instruction. He said, you are to go into the temple courts and you are to teach the people about this life that is available through Jesus Christ. And so that's what they did. Well, um, they, they, they were arrested. They were brought in. Uh, and then they, they escaped. And then the next morning when it came time for their trial, there was a bit of commotion because when they went to the jail cell, they weren't there. What happened? There was a lot of confusion. And they found them out exactly where they were supposed to be in the temple courts, teaching the people about this, this life that they could have through Jesus Christ. And they were brought back in for trial. And then let me pick up in verse 27. Follow along as I read. It says, The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. So he sends them out and and Gamaliel gives a speech. And then we drop down to verse 40. It says his speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. They were ordered not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Let me ask you, does this sound radical to you? There were radical signs and wonders that they were performing. And then there was this radical escape from jail. And then there was this radical display of obedience as they teach in the temple courts as they were directed. And then there's this radical boldness in response to the Sanhedrin. And I think that boldness is perhaps the greatest way to describe the radical actions and attitudes and behaviors of the earliest believers. Everything that we read about, it's, it's radical. Everything we read about in Acts is radical. And as they acted with radical boldness, God was glorified. God's power was revealed. And the gospel spread quickly around the world because they made the choice to be radical. So let me ask you this morning, how radical are you when it comes to your faith walk? Hearing everything that I've said so far, listening to, to the story of the apostles, how radical are you when it comes to your faith walk? And, and another question, what does radical boldness look like? I can answer the second question for you. I don't think that it's any different than the radical boldness that we saw of the believers in the early church. Um, we just have different circumstances and situations and opportunities 
to live it out. But, but, but it, it's the same. Practically speaking, though, what does that look like? How do we live this out in our lives on a daily basis? Well, let me tell you. Practically speaking, we're radical and we're bold in our faith walk when we boldly stand up and speak up. When we boldly stand up and speak up. This is exactly what the apostles did. The the Sanhedrin cried, foul. Listen, you're trying to blame us for the death of Jesus. You're trying to place his blood on us. And they boldly stood up and spoke up. I have to imagine that it was Peter who did it. It says, well, as a matter of fact, it was you. You're the ones who ordered that he be put on a cross. You're the ones that pierced the spear in his side. You're the ones that placed the nails in his hands and his feet. You're the ones who made his blood come down. So, yes, you are guilty. They, that was radical. They, they, they stood up and they, they spoke up. Practically speaking for us, our boldness is radical when we are willing to stand up and speak up. So let me ask you this morning, is there something that you know of? Is there some injustice? And you know, I need to stand up and I need to speak up. I need to just stop sitting and watching, but I need to be bold in my faith. I need to stand up and I need to speak up. Now, the next point really is the hinge for this. Practically speaking, when we righteously act with boldness in our faith walk, we bring honor to God. So when we stand up and speak up, it needs to be filtered through righteousness. It's not just about standing up and venting, being angry, yelling and screaming, trying to get your own point across. But instead, you stand up. And you speak up. This is, what the, this is what the apostles did. They stood up and the, they spoke up. But the argument uh, wasn't about themselves. They didn't say, why did you arrest us? You had no right to arrest us. They didn't cry. They didn't whine. They didn't try to present their own case. Instead, they never veered away from the gospel. They kept the focus on the gift that God had given through his son, Jesus. They kept the focus on the gospel, and in doing so, they brought honor to God. So when you and I stand up and speak up, it means that we need to be sure that we're standing up and we're speaking up and we're filtering it through the truth of the gospel, through the whole counsel of God. Practically speaking, when we act with a righteous, radical boldness, we'll always see a display of God's power somewhere at some time in the process. That's what the apostles saw. They saw boldness. They saw God's power as they were released from jail by an angel at night. God's power was at work. Um, As you and I commit to living out a radical lifestyle in Jesus Christ, We will always experience God's power. But how we experience that God's power will be dependent on the circumstance, the situation, and it will be based on uh, the the display of God's power will, will come through his full knowledge of what's needed at that time for that situation. 
And you'll know it's the power of God because it's always something that you could have never orchestrated yourself. It'll always be greater than. Uh, Practically speaking, when our faith walk is committed to radical boldness, we can find joy in the adversity. Did you notice in verses 40, 41, and 42, it says, after they had been flogged and, and they left the council, they left rejoicing. I mean, think, these, these guys had stripes. They were bleeding. And, and they left rejoicing because they counted it worthy to suffer persecution for the name of Jesus. That's, that's radical. That's radical. Because I, I, I think if I were about to be flogged, I'd be going, mm-mm. Can we do this a different way? That was radical on their behalf. Are we willing to stand up and speak up um, and always filter it through the truth of the gospel and in the times of persecution, in the times of suffering because we've done so, can we find joy? Can we find joy in that? When the apostles left the courthouse that day, they were rejoicing, and it was because their purpose and their identity had been validated. They didn't win. God won. That's what's important. They didn't win. God won. The persecution... The suffering, it was a result of a radical, bold faith that brought honor to God. So let me, let me just kind of conclude with this. <clears throat> Growing in our boldness is a constant and consistent part of our faith walk, and it begins with a decision. The decision is ours to make. Am I willing to model my life after the radical lifestyle that Jesus modeled? Am I willing to uh, commit to the radical teachings that, that Jesus taught? Am I willing to stand up and speak up and always filter it through the truth of the gospel? So it begins with a decision. Uh, growing in boldness is uh, always dependent on the Holy Spirit. Boldness is not something you will. It's not something that you conjure up. It comes with constant receptivity to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In other words, it, it's, it, it's about being constant. It's about being consistent. It's about being open to the Holy Spirit. Our boldness, we grow in our boldness. It intensifies when we spend time with Jesus. Uh, this morning we sang, I'm caught up in his presence. To be caught up in his presence is for us to come to a greater understanding of who he is and what the lifestyle that he's called us to live. He, he reveals that to us as we spend time with him. And our boldness grows each time we witness and experience the power of God in our lives. So how radical are you? How bold are you in your faith walk? And what adjustments Do you need to make? And I ask myself the same question. There's a statement at the bottom of your notes. It's so true. It says, we have no control over how we die or when we die, but we do have control over how we live. So our challenge is that we would live with a radical boldness as we walk out our life, a lifestyle that's founded in Jesus. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray for us as we leave.
Father, it's a lot to think about because I think it really is easy for to say, I want to be like you. I want to live like you. But uh, there's a cost that comes with it. And I don't know if we always count the cost, so I pray that you would help us today as we begin to consider this radical boldness. I pray that you would just um, give us a revelation of the cost, but also the power that you've made available to us. Help us to know that uh, as we stand up and speak up, and it's filtered through the truth of the gospel, through the counsel, the whole counsel of your word, as we step out into the radical lifestyle that you protect us, you cover us, you never leave us um, exposed. You're, You're there with us. You've given us what we need. So I just ask that you would do this work in us. Over the next few weeks, as we walk through these messages, I pray that we grow in our understanding. Uh, And I pray that this would just be something that we would just be thinking about all throughout the week, every day. It would be present in our quiet times with you. We would would consider, we would ask the right questions. So we just say today, we need you, and um, we ask that you help us grow. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody who was in agreement said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.